I came as a refugee, very Iraqi, very Arab. Um, but my Arabness was never sort of uh, muffled or, or um, suppressed by my Nigerian auntie or my Jamaican uncle. And then over the years, um, that became synonymous with villains. Yeah, the working class, the criminal working classes. Um, that like, this place is a place of death and it has evil people. Um, uh, and have that as a, a universally accepted truth. It works against us. Um, places like the ends and say, this should be gentrified. We're buying into a, an intervention that is happening. Um, and, and we're saying like, yeah, the gentry should be here just by using that word. There's crime that happens all over London. But what happens is because of the over-policing of a particular community, um, there'll be much higher crime statistics. And those crime statistics uh, create a geographical profile. New questions every day, how's a brother post to sleep? Listen, I give youngers books. Trying to educate myself as I'm running through these streets. There's no such thing as black and black crime. You can hit us in the DMs if you want the smoke. Pew, pew, pew. Not sure where the conversation's gonna go. But did you do your research? Yeah, I wanna know. That's the life of a domino. It's the, the domino effect. Try the mighty mo. If you think this one's bitter, try mighty mo. Yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah? Love. I love, bro. Thank you. You say we're in? Set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. yeah? He got him new equipment, now he's better. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> hey, yo, make sure you get some snacks, couple snacks, couple pictures. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Covered. To show, to show that you're professional. Yeah, I mean, but nah, yeah. Inside, new studio. New studio, new settings. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. guys, the content hasn't been as consistent as it, as it has always been. But in the past, that's just because... Oh, which camera are we looking at? Oh, there's two now. Mad. But that, and that's mainly just for the reason of we're sorting out this new studio space. New cameras, new upgrades, new settings. Good guess, better guess than before. And yeah, we're just trying to take it to the next level for you guys. Hopefully soon we get into two episodes a week. Algorithm's looking strong. Insta's growing. 10K on Instagram now, which is a good milestone. YouTube also. Uh, TikTok's coming back, even though the pricks there have been slowing down the algorithm, but we move. Um, yeah, man, things are cooking up nicely. Anything you want to add? I just need to start, start a skincare routine, though. Because when I was seeing that camera, that's seeing all sorts. Mm -hmm. So now I need the gallium to give me a skincare routine. You get me? Because Any sponsors as well, if you want to <laughs> sponsor, sponsor the man. Give some money. <laughs> give us some money. Yeah, I mean, but one thing I have, I have to shout out to our fans, our loyal fans. Thank you for doing the super thanks. For, you that, for those that don't know, if you like our content, super thanks. Send us a little tenner, a little five pound, a little hundred pound, you know, sugar baby things. Just do a little super thanks if you like the content that keeps it running so we can deliver, keep delivering good content for you guys. And big up the bouncer I spoke to yesterday as well because, yeah, yeah, you, you, was, you were speaking sense to me still. Was it, was it, was I was working in Boa when I was at Boa yesterday. What did he say? He just, he just come, he's like, brother, you do that podcast, don't you? That with that short guy. <laughs> <laughs> that short mix race guy. I'm like, yeah, he's like, bro, love the work. Keep, keep it up, keep the thing, um, keep the thing coming. So look, we appreciate the support in it. And obviously, if you see, man, I've, I've seen a couple of people in it. You bump into man and it's just mad love. 
But please, at times, yeah, just make sure you say who you are, innit? Because certain man will be like, yo, Eddie, yo, Eddie. I'm like, I don't know this guy. Yeah. They'll be like, Domino, ah, cage, you get me? So, because, yeah, you know, when you're from certain places and you start screwing man's mm. name and looking all bookies, you get me? Yeah. <laughs> it could turn to something else real quick. <laughs> No, but, but you know, I appreciate the love, though. You know, you've branded me so much as the small guy. Reg regularly off camp, guests come in and they're like, "Oh, I thought you was way smaller than this one." <laughs> and I think uh, the people actually think I'm, I'm that's, a midget because you've grabbed this. That's probably like, why he said the small guy. <laughs> like, yeah, this, he, he did this. Is like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> the small mixed race guy. I'm like, yeah, daily, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but people are like, "Oh, like I thought you were gonna be bare small, fam." I'm like, "Oh, I'm not actually like vertically challenged as a banner, but yeah." Uh, run with it. It's anyway. more to me, boy. So it's, it's, you know I mean? it's, it's all right. It is, isn't it? It's, it's, it's subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This is dancing gorilla over here. But yeah, all right. Bro, let them know, <laughs> isn't it? Mm, come on. <laughs> but anyway, we're inside with Social Justice Warrior, Urban Development Extraordinaire, Nabil. Thank you for coming down. Man. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. From Privatized Amanda. Well, you were saying that, funnily enough, you're. Stop. You're forgetting something. No, I'll do this first, then I'll do the Let's Get Ready Zombie after each other. No, 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 no. You introduce first, then you scream the thing, then we go inside. Yeah, I haven't gone inside yet. I'm still introducing my man. All right, then go on. Fuck you, no, bruv. Right, Trying to jump out my neck. Oh, listen. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, applications are coming. <laughs> <laughs> then to my left, Sir Ed's, aka Eddie Akers. Eddie Akers. Eddie Akers. Oh, yeah, Eddie you're Akers. finished. You're getting nervous, bro. Huh? You're getting nervous. It's been, it's been a while. Nah, man. It's been a while, man. Been doing this. Look, look, this mm. year, this month makes three years we've been doing Domino. Mm. You should know what I'm going all right, dancing grill. That's yeah, great, man. Don't be sure. This is fucking jester. Bro, you can Anyways. talk. Bro, I would rather do my skanks, yeah, than have to fucking go turkey blood. Yeah, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I thought you were doing your skanks to pay to get money to go to turkey. Brother, bro. brother, brother, brother. Just dance harder, fam. Huh? Dance harder, innit? I ain't gonna lie. If I could dance like my man, I would. So I don't. 100%, bro. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm the life of the party, fam. Topless raver back in the day. Come on. Yeah, you know your old genie videos when they come to light in the future? It's long. It's long. Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, let me never say too much. Yeah. I've seen I've are, seen them, but yeah, it's mad. Drugs are mad. And it's, it's they're not secret. They're, they're, yeah, they're people flow. have them on their phone. Yeah, they're floating around. Forever, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i got to be nice to people. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> plant-based warrior. The vegan dickhead. Big up the meat, this crew. Yeah, we're trying so to save Ed's, the planet. Yeah, we were here. A.K.A. Edicus. Come on. And we got me, the most masculine host of the pod. Don't let him gas you. Because you already know the guy's short, innit? What what shoes you wearing today? I don't even know. So yeah, like yeah. literally. Yeah, but not not they're not platforms. Like what are them boot cuts, blood? They yeah, swallowed your whole crib. Hundred percent, fam. Nah. Boot, boot cuts are in, bro. Yeah, they're in, but not that. That's flares. I'm flares. <laughs> got flares, bro. bro I'm a rock star. I'm black. What's them powers, bro? Brother, they look. Alright, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you get yeah, me. Yeah. That's what it is. You need air forces with them. You need a bit of a platform, bro. Yeah, yeah, I hear it. I hear it still, but these are not. Oh, your 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 trousers are still touching the floor, fam. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Respect though, and they're mm. tight up here. Look, I'm mad. F <laughs> six <Essex> boy. <laughs> I'm a rock star. You know, like this. Yeah, yeah mate. Yeah, you like this. Oh right? shit! I didn't even clock that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a rock star, bro. Oh, you made that yourself. Uh, yeah. I think got Tipex, bro. Crayola, fam. That's a Tipex. Just you. I ain't gonna lie. It's kind of bad though. I fuck with it. You know what I mean? Got Express. I like this though. This track is hard, bro. Bro, I had this track suit for years. You know. I can tell. <laughs> Bro, are you telling us it's <laughs> it's look washed? Bro, I can't lie, I'm witnessing violence right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I've had this track since 2013. Uh, yeah, we know, bro. Certified. <laughs> we know it's called. Nah, bro, no. Bro, you can say in the comments whether the tracks you look washed or not, innit? You know what I mean? Who looks better, me or D? 
put in the comments, innit? I say no more. Well, I mean. Anyways, we're in. We digress, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so your boy reached out. Oh, sorry, I did nearly forget. Sorry, 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 sorry. Without further ado, let's get ready to dominate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally. But you've done the analytics bit, innit? So now we can just dive straight in. Dive straight in. No, 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 no. You said you said your piece already. Oh, one thing we do need to add, guys, need to subscribe. We love the content, but in terms of the algorithm, likes and subscriptions is what pushes out our content the most. So stop the video now, press the like button, subscribe because you're gonna come back and watch another episode anyway, and let's just keep it moving, man. But in today's episode, you had some gifts for us in the build. I do, I do. So um. Uh, I bought you copies of. Thank you very much, my man. man them. Um, thank you for for having me on. So, so this this piece of work is um, some would describe it as a blueprint. Some would describe it as a manifesto. Mm. Um, but in short, it's it's sort of ninety pages of like easily consumable information on like if the man and were to come together and and uh, sort of act against gentrification. <laughs> And by the ends, how would we do it? So, um, yeah, that's that's really what the book is about. Um, what was the motivation behind writing this but, book? But before we jump into it, because I, w- I want to dive in. Yeah. You were saying that you found out that your boy actually watches the content and yeah. he, he was the one that said to come on. Yeah, yeah. To come and do it. So it's interesting to see where people find us along the way. No, 100%. Uh, I, I, I think, I, think um, I was looking at, previous episodes of the domino effect and like you man talk about everything mm. and and like my boy told me yo reach out to these guys um and i'm sure it'll be like an engaging conversation mm. um and worthwhile so dropped you guys an email and here we are so. yeah no, thank we, do, you. we do tell people all the time like if you do want to come on you got an important message we do we do listen in it so this is like a living proof of yeah testament to that fact and one thing i would say is what you did which i liked is a lot of people send us messages all the time not to be hollywood but that's just how it goes it's to give us the best chance of actually going through them and responding appropriately and getting people on don't just drop a message saying yo bro i've got gems to drop on your podcast you came you said yo i'm such and such i'm here to talk about such and such i think this would be good because we can talk about this 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 and your viewers would like this uh because of x and we're like, okay, cool, makes sense. And we got it done pretty quickly, you know? Yeah, man, because, like, respectfully, you don't know me from Adam. Mm. So so I need to exactly explain to you what ways I'm trying to talk about, why. Um, so it's only fair. Mm-hmm. But bringing it into the book, how did you, so how did Privatise the Mandem come about? And the reason why, I was so we'll, talk, we'll use the colloquials, but in this book, you've broken down what, what each thing means. I think in this conversation, mm. even though we are from London, and a lot of our listeners... 50% of our listeners are actually non-UK, so it's mm. important to break down what exactly verbatim, as if you were talking to a middle-class person from the US, mm. what does everything mean? Yeah, so 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 we'll start off with the title. When I say, um, when I say Mandem, uh, in the glossary in the book, first thing it does is it credits that it's a, it's a Caribbean term that um, is used by a lot of multicultural Britain. And um, the Mandem know like the man them know who the man them are. Um, it's mainly sort of working class, mainly uh, like diaspora individuals. But then, like the word has a lot of flexibility mm. that um, 
it can incorporate Irish brother down the road as well. Um, he might be one of the man them. Um, so so I'm talking to a select uh, group of individuals who who come from ends really. Um, and again, there's a lot of flex in the word where you might be one of the man them and you might have moved out of the ends, but you you're still one of you're still one of the man them. Do you know what I mean? So um, like and privatize um sort of speaks to the process of gentrification and acting against it so to privatize is basically to to remove a group of individual from from public control which kind of leads on to how gentrification happens in the first place so the solution is in the title mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. and um can't lie man there's been a number of there's been a number of people who are not happy with even the term itself um why is that? Uh, we've got a lot of, um, well, the nation sort of split into political right and political left. Mm -hmm. The political right are like, the man them owning land in, in this here Britain, that can't run. Yeah. And then you've got the political left who are very um, sort of communal. Um, accepting. Accepting, but, but also they don't want to see social housing be removed from public control. So they're like privatise. Like we're seeing privatizing happen already and it's not a good thing. So I've every single time people kind of reach out to me and, and, and share those sentiments, I ask them, please just read the book and you'll understand sort of So so what's the importance of language in this book? Why why does it why is it so important? Because I'm speaking to my people. Mm -hmm. I'm not really speaking to audiences who who, who aren't affected by the issue. Um so the way I've written it is like the the way I'm speaking to you lot, the way I speak to my bridges, um, because not everyone's a politician, not everyone works in urban development, not everyone's an architect or engineer. So um, if my bridging is a musician um, or a DJ or a or a boxer, I need to make sure they can comprehend what what I'm trying to say. So I've tried to explain any technical terms, and I've tried to limit any sort of unnecessary jargon that um that i know exists within the industry um so it's very easy to read what um, i find interesting as well quickly is like especially when it comes to london you don't it's, there's no everybody's one so to you you don't see the idea that okay you might be black and african you might be iraqian etc all of that is one is, is that is that the kind of narrative you're trying to push well, one thing I just want to say, because we're going to come back to this question straight away, just so people know, uh, I should have included this in the intro, just to make sure that people know why you're qualified to speak on this topic. What exactly do you do that allows mm. you to write something like this so people can understand who you are and how, you, how you've come up with this constructive solution? So yeah. who are you and like, what, what do you work in? So um, I've been working in the urban development industry for the past five years. Um, I've worked on uh, large-scale master plans across uh, across London mainly. Um, so the, my, my previous um, sort of job was was um, helping build Wembley Park, which is right next to my estate, the Chalkhill Estate. And really, there's a story as to how I actually got into it. I was a bit of a loud mouth. Um, got the attention of the private developer next door, and um, and they invited me to to sort of provide a bit of local insight because there was a clear sort of discrepancy and a, a bit of a gap, both economical and social, between sort of Wembley Park that they were building and the, 
the neighbouring Chalkill Estate. And I was the big man from Chalkill Estate. So they um they offered me a job and I worked my way up. Um I left them and now I work for another private developer on uh, uh again a very large scale project in, in zone one in London. Um so I've I've I'm kind of I've seen what I've written happen in action and I and I do it on a day to day. Um so yeah, and to answer your question on I'll be honest with you, I don't put everyone into one. Um like um so so I came as a refugee, very Iraqi, very Arab. Um but my Arabness was never sort of uh muffled or or um suppressed by my Nigerian auntie or my Jamaican uncle who I I grew up around in ends anyone who lives in ends knows um like I'm Muslim but uh my neighbour will invite me over for Christmas, even though I like we don't really celebrate Christmas. Haram. I don't think it's haram. So sorry, you know the religion better than me, yeah, but yeah. when I when I spoke because my dad's family is Muslim, yeah. just celebrating non-Muslim festivals, yeah, is haram. I think I think there's it depends on like what school what school of thought you come from. Mm. Just like Christianity, there's different uh, yeah, sects, yeah, Sunni Shia, um, Ahmadi, all of that. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, Jesus is is a prophet in Islam as well. Um, so any sort of celebration of of Jesus is obviously um, permissible. I think there's again, I'm not a scholar. When it comes to Christmas, there's sort of questions around whether it's the right date or or whatnot. Um, but I won't I won't go into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, a whole yeah, conversation. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, for me, is that my auntie's inviting me over for turkey. I'm having. Yeah, we're gonna have turkey. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, even and the, the turkey will be halal. Do you get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so f- like, it's not. I don't think religion is meant to be divisive at all. Um, and I think it's a beautiful gesture to have people over. And 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 for me, growing up in ends like, um. We we all weren't uh, sort of lumped together and said like your identity is now this and whatever you knew before doesn't exist. So I was like, nah, we actually celebrated each other's identities. That's why like a lot of the men in London, you'll say like, um, even though I'm not Somali, I might call my mom Hoya, mm. yeah. Or like um, someone might be Nigerian and they'll say, nah, nah that's my act. Yeah, 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 all the time. No one. Like you could be white and say Wagwan. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so there's a beauty in in multiculturalism, um, but I don't think people abandon their identities and become one. Um, so yeah, that's I think that's no, no it did. I, I find it really interesting because I had a little epiphany moment because you're very right in saying that, like, like I'm very much still Nigerian, but then I wouldn't say we you forget that. But there's that acceptance of it because, like you said, it wouldn't be a problem. Like I had uh, Muslim neighbors, and it was all love and vibes. So it's interesting to see how that changes <coughs> once you start to leave these urban environments because it was never a problem. It never is a problem. That's when things get to the political realm is when you start to see the divide and conquer aspect taking place. So it's yeah. actually quite interesting you mentioned that. Yeah. Mm. One thing, I w- like one thing I would say though, having lived, I've, I've lived in probably about ten different areas across the UK. And I've lived in multicultural areas. I've lived in multicultural areas with integration, and I've lived in multicultural areas without integration. Um, and I've also lived in white areas, and I've also lived in predominantly just black areas. Um, one thing you'll find: London is very cosmopolitan, and it's very metropolitan, and it's very enmeshed. And generally speaking, everyone gets on with everyone. 
but when you go to other deprived areas across the country, it is not the same. So in areas such as Luton, in areas such as Bradford, from what I've heard, things don't always mess the same, but London and Birmingham is, is an example of where it can, just, just so, so to speak. So mm. it's interesting to see it's not always like for like there's so many complex input uh, factors that go into it but i think london is a good example of where it can work and it does work very well yeah, i think that's down to establishing a culture so when you go to places like manchester birmingham and london there's a culture that starts off with maybe like popular culture around music mm-hmm. mm. and that is the unifying factor between the people that grew up together whereas i don't think places like luton would have that as such no it's in comparison to like london and the biggest cities and I think that might be an important aspect to to consider is what aspects of culture is ubiquitous in that area. And also, I mean, politics has, has a huge role to play in this. So in London, yeah, there are deprived areas, but there's a lot more opportunity in London being the economic capital of the UK. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, if you go to Luton, where economic opportunities are much less, and you have, let's say, two populations, a sort of white working class and a South Asian working class community. And you have politicians on, on, on your screen saying, like, these men are taking your jobs. Mm. And you, you sort of see, these men hate you. It's classic divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, Is this the ill-informed aspect that you're talking about in the book? How the men are ill-informed? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, think, I think there are moments where they're maliciously ill-informed and i i don't think it's just the man i think in general mm-hmm. the population across the uk one thing i was going to say is i'm i'm kind of torn because on one side of the argument i think it's wrong that people who have lived somewhere for years for no longer fit the image of what whatever area may be and for example i know in newham when all the flats were knocked down to build um the olympic stadium and such everyone was getting shipped out to stoke like, that's wrong but then on the other side, I've walked through certain areas. I'm like, fucking hell, bro. This place needs to be gentrified because this place is fucked. So it's like mm. there's there's two ends of the coin of sometimes you want to keep the ends, but is it worth keeping? So And that's why I'm torn between two. So I address this in the second chapter mm. of the book. Um, I describe the ends as as brown diamonds and lobsters. Yeah, and the reason why I describe it as that, um, I've heard of chocolate diamonds. Mm-hmm. Chocolate diamonds are crazy right now. Yeah, they're diamonds that are brown in color. Oh, really? Yeah, and they're, they're marketed as like chocolate diamonds and they go for tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds. I imagine it's rare. Um, do you know where else you can find um, uh, brown diamonds? At the end of a drill bit. People use it to, in, in industrial construction equipment. Amazing. Because it's, it's, it's the most solid thing. It's the most solid. It's very opaque. It's, it's very common. It doesn't really have that much value. Mm. But our whole marketing campaign shifted um, a brown diamond to a chocolate one. Lobsters is the same thing. Lobsters, uh, sorry, lobsters used to be called um, the poor man's protein. Yeah, crustaceans in a way. Yeah, the like, same family. like cockroaches of the sea. Um, and like, if, if people saw lobster shells in, in, in someone's home, it's, it's like an embarrassing thing. And then look at lobsters now. 
No, mm. I get it though, because my mum t- tell me the story of because she's from Mauritius, so cherries. She's from poverty. Cherry tomatoes used to grow naturally. Cherry tomatoes were seen as a poor man's tomatoes, and she, her, my grandma used to make salads out of it. My grandma used to say to um, my mum and all of her um, siblings, "Don't tell people that we make our tomato salads from mm-hmm. cherry tomatoes because they're gonna think that we're like, yeah, like like." Scum in some in sort some sort of way. Now, when you look at cherry tomatoes, you go mm. to the supermarket. Yeah, cherry tomatoes are more expensive than normal vineyard tomatoes. Mm-mm-mm. It's all it's all perceptive. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I, that's one thing I have to mention. That I like what you do, because in order for society to progress, a lot of things is down to perception and how you you bend and twist. So with people like Edward Bernays, he was like the father of of public relations. The power is in the story and the narrative that you paint. So with this, you're not exactly saying people need to do anything differently. Just change the narrative that's being pushed. So with these areas that were that when you walk through, look nasty, look disgusting. It's not a situation of ship them out. It's go in and essentially change it, which is probably easier than tell them to f off anyway. Because then you can build up the area. You're still naturally going to do that whilst building a culture and creating a better London in the process or whatever area that you're referring to. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, it's it's a better London for all, but when you're looking, when you're being capricious and you look at the economic system, for them, it's just like, okay, let's ship people out into the areas that we don't really care about. Let's make the financial hub, corporate professionals who are going to add more to the economy than the others are, get the others to get trained in and essentially become like Paris. So anyone that says they're from Paris is not actually from Paris. They're from the Parisian suburbs. They all come in, they keep actual Paris nice. And that's essentially what it but is. But I can't remember who said this, but it was quite an important point and they made a comparison to China. And what they said was that if you want to empower your people, bring the poor people out of poverty and mm. that will empower the people. China's the perfect example of that. They had a mass amount of poor people that they raised out of poverty and now it became a powerful country as a result. Mm. You could apply the same template here and have the same results if that was the, the, the kind of motive you're looking to achieve. The, the thing is you can't do it here because through China... They actually produce things. One of the biggest um, problems we did when Margaret Thatcher decided to move to a service-based economy, the UK doesn't produce anything anymore. I don't think you have to because, again, knowledge, knowledge and service is, is, is also a product that can be sold. So if, if you boost the knowledge base of a lot of the working, pop, um, the kind of poor working class population, then you could essentially evoke the same thing. Mm. All you need is the smartest minds to come down and say, look, we want to do something about this situation. There's all mm. kinds of stuff coming. There's AI, there's tech you know mm-hmm. that you could push people into that could become a service that you could transport out i think for me it's, it's a deeper conversation because that's in isolation but really for things like this to happen you need to abolish the private school education system because Not necessarily you you, you and this, this is why i break it down about six percent of schools in the uk are private school educated but yet at russell brick universities 70% are offered to private school kids. Mm-hmm. There's a big disparity. When you look at other places like Norway, they have no, no private school education. And what, what does that force? It forces the politicians who would have not give, cared about um, state schools. To mix they, amongst they, they have to send people. their kids to these establishments. So now they have to care. Mm-hmm. So it's like a long overhaul. And when you look at the prestige of the UK, the private school education system in the UK is a business like that. Well, no other. When you see all these... Um, aristocrats and oligarchs they send all their kids to school either here or in switzerland to mingle create those relationships exactly create nepotism when so, they get so what we're talking about as, and i agree with you a lot on this but 
now you're talking about the revamp of a whole system, which and, is... And I don't feel there's a problem with that. No, I'm, I'm for it, but I'm <laughs> just saying yeah. the, goal, the, the goal gets further, yeah, yeah, further, yeah, yeah. further so, away. So, so I would... I agree with you. And I think changing um, a whole nation's education curriculum is going to be tough. Um, so, so the way I would see Privatizer Man and the, the book is a, is a sort of supplementary education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, so, so to, to just go back to your point of like, sometimes you walk through an area and you feel raw, like this needs to be gentrified. Mm. Um, I, I used to have that sentiment. Yeah. So the word gentrification comes from, um, a very old Anglo-Saxon sort of, uh, medieval feudal Britain era called the gentry. The gentry were the upper class people who didn't need to, to work. They would, they would essentially um, be the individuals who who inherited mass amounts of wealth, largely out of exploitation from colonies and slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, that that were sort of you know great expectations and like the Downton Abbey sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 were the gentry. Um, funnily enough, um, people who were working class and 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 lived off the land were called villains with an E. Um, and then so just villain with the E instead of the A. Yeah, and yeah. then and the, and then over the years, um, that became synonymous with villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the working classes, the criminal working classes. Um, so 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 we're still seeing today a sort of parallel from the past of like people want the gentry to come and live in a particular place because the villains live here, mm-hmm. and a lot of it comes from storytelling and narratives. And this is why, like, I put a lot of respect and admiration for um platforms like this mm. where we're able to grab a mic and tell our own stories because a lot of the stories that get painted about us are vilifying like the ends is full of gangbangers it's full of drug dealers and they're full of killers yeah and so in order to get rid of the criminal element we need to knock down these buildings um and that's what the newspapers say they're notoriously racist they're notoriously sort of bias and prejudice and so a lot of these narratives what they do is um police read these papers police have a briefing every single morning and they will patrol a certain area even more um there's crime that happens all over london but what happens is because of the over policing of a particular community um there'll be much higher crime statistics and those crime statistics uh, create a geographical profile, which is then used by the state or used by development companies to argue that um, there's high crime over here and this area needs to be regenerated. So, so the word regeneration comes from the root word genesis. So to breathe life into something. Now, between us lot, I'm sure we can all agree that the ends is actually a place of life. It's where a lot of our culture comes from, come, um, a lot of our music. Most celebrities in the UK come from ENDS mm-hmm. and we're all a product of our environment, both in, in the bad, which we all acknowledge, but also in the good. Like I, I don't think Stormzy, for example, would be able to sing and rap the way that he does without the experience he had in, in Fort and Heathrow. Is that where he's from? Somewhere in South. Somewhere in South. From Croydon, yeah. From Croydon, mm. yeah. And... And it goes the same with everyone. Um, 
So this argument that like this place is a place of death and has evil people um, uh, and have that as a, a universally accepted truth, it works against us. Mm. Um, and for us to sort of walk through um, places like the ends and say this should be gentrified, we're buying into a, an intervention that is happening um, and, and we're saying like, yeah, the gentry should be here just by using that word. I think there are so many other alternatives and like, that's not a dig at you at all. I'm just saying like, we're all convinced that like, if a place is neglected, then um, this must be the only solution. And that's why this understanding that you bring forward is, is powerful because a lot of us will be using these words in terms without truly understanding the origin of where they come from. So to define things and break it down so that people understand, very, very important. So I, I love that. And then another question, so like, what does privatizing well, can, I, can I just assess on? that before we just move on? One thing I was going to say, there's two ways of, um, I'm going to look at your question because I'm with you, but then I'm not quite with you on other, on yeah. other sides. So the first side where I say I'm not with you is even though these statistics would be now be inflated from over-policing is very simple. If there's going to be elements of crime in the area, if you police it more, you're gonna, more people are going to be arrested if not convicted for crimes. The amount of you know, increasing crime rate, but because of over-policing, more things are seen. I, I, I agree with you on that. But then the other side of it is if you were, us as rational people can see in places that are not deprived in London, such as the borough of Richmond, mm -hmm. if you were to over-police Richmond uh, compared to over-policing, uh, over say, where we are now, you're going to... There's, there's going there's going to be a vast difference because of the lack of deprivation. Richmond mm -hmm. is still going to have less crime. Mm -hmm. But then talking about where I'm with you in terms of vilifying an area, well, hold on, in terms of vilifying an area is these places get a name in terms of in the press of being so bad. But the issues that we have here, have here are no different to St. Paul's in Bristol, are no different to Moss Side in Manchester, is no different to Croxteth or Toxteth in Liverpool but they don't talk about flattening these areas and then moving people in because it doesn't fit their agenda of the economic landscape. So I don't think these areas are most or any worse than, it's just they get talked about more. I, th I think the important, like you, you raise interesting points. There's a book that I read called, um, the guy, there's a book by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm. Um, and there was a book based on police. It was on the death of Sandra Bland. Mm -hmm. And he brings up points in regards to the over-policing of areas and what that does to, to the community. So there's, there's two things to mention. One, if it was to over-police Richmond, the intrinsic bias that exists within the police for that area wouldn't cause them to behave in a way that it would had they been in a multicultural environment. Mm -hmm. So that's one element. And the second element is that because they, don't, they, because, they don't, um, because they wouldn't see it that way, they wouldn't apprehend people for the same thing. If you go to Richmond, people are still doing coke and smoking weed and blah, blah, blah. Mm. If they was to crack down the way they crack down in the ends, you'd produce similar, might not be exactly the same, but you would produce similar results. You but then this ideology them. towards um, working class communities, plus the type of people that live in these communities, and then the way the police are trained, was like one thing that the reference is the way police are trained to handle situations in these communities, inflate problems as opposed to de-escalate issues. So they already come with an aggressive manner towards these people which again will create more problems mm. so in order to not have that or to change the narrative then again the police have to be re-educated re but these things ex exist and, and the reason they bring up the point of Sandra Bland is that she just had like a, a faulty light and she ended up dying in police custody had that been someone else 
it wouldn't she might not even have been arrested in the first place. Mm. So these are the important things to mention. I'd say as well on that. Yeah. No. Um, I completely agree, and and I think one pertinent point you made was doesn't fit their agenda. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now the agenda is largely based on. Uh, all right. The best way to explain this, yeah. If we saw if we saw the city as uh, a mosaic of land parcels, yeah, some pieces of land are owned by the public sector, some of them are owned by the private sector. Um, the private sector largely uh, looks at um, making as much money as possible from land they have, um, and the public sector looks at trying to take care of the social aspects of the country. Um, since David Cameron got voted in in two thousand and ten, um, we've we've seen sort of near enough 80% of uh, the public sector budgets being cut austerity. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the public sector can't build anymore and um, we have a housing crisis. So many homeless people and waiting lists just growing by the we, day. We know the housing crisis is 20, 30 years deep. From Labour and Conservative failure to build. That's the reason why yeah. there's a dearth in property is because they just did not build any public housing through those years from like the, the back end of the eighties to now. Yeah, they just didn't build. Uh, yeah, so the, the last time Britain built at a scale that uh, would meet the need that we have today was after World War Two. There you go. And it's buildings like Balfour and Tower, like Treloc Tower, like the Stonebridge Estate, like the Church End Estate, Chalk Hill. All, all, all of these large social housing estates were built after the war. Britain was feeling a bit more socialist. Yeah. David Cameron in uh, 2011 passed an act, the Localism Act. And what he did was he gave powers to the public sector to offset the responsibility of social housing to the private sector. Mm. Now the private sector is looking at the state like, yo, I'm trying to make money. These men are a drain on my on my money. Supply and demand. Because I'm trying to build using someone else's money, pension pots, savings and investments, and I've promised them profit. So here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. You're gonna sell me that piece of land uh for the low. And what I'm gonna do is I'm going to uh, I'm gonna build a hundred flats. Give okay. you five. I'll give you five. Um, but what I'll do is I'll use cheaper materials. I'll provide a different experience, a different entrance. Yeah, I've I w- seen that. I won't give entrance. people access to, and it's covered in the book as well. Uh, I won't give them access to the, the payer because the residents who are paying the most and therefore giving me the highest return on investment, um, uh, again, it's down to perception. The riffraff are going to ruin the experience of my of my private residents who are, who, who are paying top grade um rents so i'm going to preserve them and then i'm gonna i'm gonna let you harvest this but these times the public sector doesn't know how to negotiate with like money men um and giving that responsibility to someone who's trying to chase peas that's not it doesn't make sense it's not conducive the to model the, doesn't the work yeah um and the the public sector itself can't build because they ain't got no money. All it really has is it has planning powers. So basically, if as a private developer, I want to build somewhere, even if it's my land, I got to send over drawings, 
it's called a planning application. I got to send over drawings and engineering materials just to show that it can work. Um, and I say, this amount of homes is going to be private and this amount of homes I'll give to you. Um, and then the state says, yes, you can build, or it says, no, you're going to need to revise your plans. Um, so there's a whole negotiation that happens between the two. Now, um, we've seen examples of it happen across London. We've seen King's Cross, we've seen Wembley Park, um, and uh, a lot of discussions that are had are behind closed doors. Um, and we're not, really, we're not really privy to what they talk about. Um, but what I would say is um, the Brent Civic Center, for example, is slap bang in the middle of the Wembley Park development, private, private land. Camden, uh, it, that civic center is in the middle of King's Cross, private land. The GLA, the Greater London Authority, Sadiq Khan's office, is in the middle of more London, in I think it's London Bridge, in the middle of private land. So there are discussions and and um, uh, sort of talks that's had between the private and public sector that that show me and it shows the country that they they're in bed together. Um, and the person who who draws the short straw in this whole thing is us. Because we're the ones who move out, we're the ones who get shifted, and we're the ones who aren't promised a right to return. Um, so for me, I'm like, this is a big mess. I'm not trying to get involved in this. There's so many pe actors and people involved in this. Um, what can we do collectively that can prevent the state from selling off the land beneath our feet and give us some sort of agency in the space that we live in? Um, I talked about how uh, uh, austerity was a big issue with the public sector. The reason why you walk through a particular block and you think, raw like this place needs to be gentrified is because it's, it's decaying. It's decaying because the local authority doesn't have money it's forgotten mm. to maintain, it's neglected. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, I know a Sparky, I know, I know a plumber, like I know someone who, who does bricklaying, painting and, de and decorating. If we own the land, um, bro, I'll give out contracts. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like we can hire our lot, keep money circulating with our lot, and make the place that that's home to us better, a work for us. And if you if if we want to go above and beyond, um, we might be able to to change the ends without gentrifying it, and submit our own planning applications for things that work for us. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to ask, yeah, like, what does privatized demandium look like in practice? And then, because that's what I was going. That's what I was going. What I was going to say as well is, um, because I think it's a great mindset. Do you feel there's enough people in the community that would collectively share this mindset? Because it'd be it'd need to be a collectivist idea for everyone to buy in. And um, as you know, in a lot of these areas, some of them are deprived and they're thinking of and coupled with deprivation of lack of education, this might not be on the forefront of them. Do you think it's easy enough to get enough people to think, oh, okay, this makes sense for us? Nah, it's not easy, bruv. Mm. Uh, so so this this piece of work has been circulating for two years now. Um, I see positives and negatives. I think, I think they, there's people when they hear it, they clock, they're like, this is what I've been waiting for. I've, I've been up to Sheffield, the man I'm up there, 
they're like, this is the information we need. Been up to Birmingham, been to South London, I've been to East London. Um, I've, I've been uh, invited to Bristol. Like so many people get it, but so many people also don't get it. And I think, I think do, it's going to... Do, do, do they not, is it a thing of they don't get it or is it a thing of they don't care enough, if that makes sense? It's a mixture of both. Mm. We live in a society where it's very individualistic. Uh, that's my point. That's the issue. That's the one I'm getting to because this, this to me is plausible. Anything for me, I just think of the individualism of people. Do people think oh, there's enough skin in the game for them to do this, or is it more a thing of fuck these this area? If I get money, I'll just move out anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. The, the, there's gonna be people like that, mm. and and like I, I I can't fault them. Um, I've like. Everyone, I feel like at some point in their lives are like, Rev, forget the ends, man. Just just go take care of yourself. But one thing that I've I've come to struggle with is like a lot of people when they do leave, what do they leave to? What do they end up living in? What sort of society are they living in? Because I can move to Milton Keynes, but the people there don't share the same culture. We don't have the same values and their you know, I might I'm, I might hear a, a prejudiced comment every now and then, whereas I was much safer with like my network, my community. When I think of my mum, yeah, um, uh, like my mum is part of a, a community of women who all take care of each other. We got community banking, um, concepts like silfe or, or partners and like they, they're, they're given access to things that traditional systems won't give them access to. Um, so I, I think there's, there's value in sort of watering the grass where you're at because the grass on the other side may not necessarily be greener. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had people say to me, you're like, I actually don't want to live in the UK anymore. I want to go back to Ghana, for instance. I'm like, Bro, do it. Like, we all have a particular role to play. And if your role and you're adamant that you don't want to be here anymore, go. Just don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who built you. We all have responsibilities to each other. And I feel like as a society, we've missed, we've missed that mark completely. People forget that we're a product of all the interactions we've had growing up and that we are, we, we're, we're responsible for each other. Um, obviously, I'm Muslim. So one thing I grew up with quite a lot and it was a principle for me is that my neighbor has rights over me. My neighbor has a, has a right to have expectations of me that I keep them safe and I have their, their best interests at heart. Um, but I think as a society we're growing very, very individualistic and like it's gonna take maybe 20, 30, it might take my, my lifetime to sort of get people to see the value of like collectivism We've seen it happen in the past. So, Mile End. Do you know why it's called Mile End? No. It's called Mile End because it's a mile from the city of London. The that city. Makes sense. The reason why it's a marker for that is um, hundreds of years ago, the Jewish community in the UK were not allowed to be buried within a mile of the city of London because of anti-Semitism. Um, and so if you go to Queen Mary University, you'll see one of the largest graveyards 
of of Jewish individuals, um, because that's where the, the the first mile from the wall started. Now, the Jewish community are really good at acting collectively. If you go to Stamford Hill, mm. um, they have their own police, they have their own ambulances, they have their own schools, they have their own uh, sort of civic infrastructures. Um, and it shows like over the course of a hundred, and it shows over the course of a, a few hundred years, um, they're able to be like some of the most hated individuals in Britain not being even allowed to be buried within a mile um, to to now being some, some of the most influential people in the UK. Um, so it's all about education. It's, it's people like yourselves sort of um, championing advocacy. Um, I'm trying to sort of speak about any given opportunity. I've even got a line for it. So like if you go on the website, um, www.privatizethemanum.com I've got a specific like WhatsApp line and I've had like hundreds of people just send me voice notes and messages asking me little questions um, so that I can I can give away a game um, cool. so yeah one thing I was going to say in terms of actually action action on this so how would you would you see people coming together and pooling money together and to buy sort of a communal fund to buy up these buildings or how would you see it running so so it fully it fully depends on the circumstance of a particular block so um let's say let's say church road for example mm -hmm. there's millionaires in church road and um there's uh there's a lot of people in church road who also have your normal jobs and you have people in church road who on benefits and aren't necessarily working. So there needs to be a level of engagement from, from all three of them. Now, what I've tried to do is I'm, I've not tried to impose sort of my idea of what should happen on every single block in Britain. Mm. Um, I sort of acknowledge that each block has their own sort of demographic and each one can work out how it's done. And the line is there for me to help sort of work out with them together. Um, but in the book, the, the middle chapter sort of explains the process of buying a building. And it, it all starts with the building. So um, you might have people take out a mortgage on, uh, on their specific flat, which um, flats in a building are the most high value uh, element of, of a building. And so um, if there are like two accountants, one electrician and uh, two teachers who live in a block um, and they're able to 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 get a mortgage um, what then happens is uh, you have to get a building surveyor to come and assess the value of the stairway the sort of shell of the building the doors um, and that will come at a fraction of the total cost of the building and so it's a matter of do you band together and start a fund for the community which will take time to fill or do we appeal to um, the talented individuals on, from, from our estate and get them to, to buy in? Um, or do we look elsewhere? And there's so many different so, avenues. So correct me if I'm wrong, each person in a nutshell would buy up their particular, particular flat, 
and you'd leverage expertise for the, from the people within the communities because, for example, there's electricians, there's tradesmen, and you, they would provide out the services and offer contracts for anything that needs doing within those communities. So, so it's that as well. But also, we got to think long term. Mm. Yeah. So, like, if you're a twelve-year-old and you're hearing that your parents are involved in in owning land, um, you now have incentives to go study architecture because I might now serve my my community, or I might grow up to be an engineer, or I might grow up to be um, a property lawyer, and all of these things. Um, and in the final chapter of the book, I do say like it's likely that we will die before we see the benefits of this. It's not really for us. It's for the generations after. Because one thing I said, you use church road as an example. Mm. The only thing that I see a loophole in this where it could be a flaw mm. is I feel like it would be one-sided traffic because the working class would want to band together with the middle class and the upper class to improve their overall living standards. But then the middle class to the upper class Maybe it could be an education issue, but they'd be like, actually, with these lot gone, it's actually not a bad idea. If you had more people like me, you might not mind it, you know? Is so that's a real danger. Mm. And like you see you see what being a landowner does. It 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 gives you freedom. It gives you liberty. Yeah. The danger with liberty is that you you have the ability to make the right choices and make the ability uh, and, and have the ability to make the wrong ones. And, but I, I still want freedom for my people. If we make wrong decisions, we learn from them. If we make right decisions, we adopt them and we move on. Um, I think, it, so in this process, what happens, um, I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but everyone becomes a stakeholder. Everyone has equal say on what happens with the process. And so, um, there's going to be some ugly conversations like neighbors that you may not have gotten along with in the past. You're going to need to heal those relationships. You're going to need to think of your neighbor in a, in a good way. You need to take care of your neighbor. It, it thrusts people into positions of responsibility, mm -hmm. um, which isn't easy, but that's part of growth. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, if, if, if it, if a little more stress means I, we get to be free. I would take the stress. Hundred percent. You know, there's models like that that already exist. Um, there's a platform called Lofty AI, mm. where people can buy portions of property in the US. So it's, part, it's part of the thing I've invested in. So it's like you can buy a zero point one percent, get a rental income from that. Um, but essentially, the, the model already exists. It's a question of how do you market it to people for them to buy into that. And I think that's the key aspect to this conversation. Because I think. Mm. Even the way you've explained it here, I'm like, yum, I'm on it, there's something mm -hmm. behind it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is how do you sell it to people who aren't like-minded? How do you sell it to people who carry those individual individualistic notions? Just because the more we have a tighter squeeze, the more individualistic we become. Yeah. If there's more to go around, then you feel like, okay, I can do this and do that, but mm. I'm trying to pay my electricity bill next month. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. what's, the, what's, what's the impetus to want to get involved in something when I don't see the direct benefits? Mm. So that the, the, key, the key thing comes down to marketing. I think like a nice documentary or something like something that mm -hmm. speaks the language of the people like you've done in the book, um, but then can reach as many people as possible, then calls to action. Yeah. And we go from there. No, a hundred percent. I think, I think having, having that top level mission 
something that everyone can buy into and something to continue to communicate. But also what's very, very important is a lot of people need to understand what would the other side of this process look like for me? And what I want to start seeing is like, bro, take this and run with it. Mm. So like, don't, don't have me come and tell you what your block could be like. I've given you the tools. Read everything here. If you don't understand, shout me. And you go and tell me what your block could be like because you know your block better than I do. So like one block in Northwest might say, no one pays rent anymore. And this, uh, we're gonna build a small shop over here and the profits will help in the maintenance of a building, mm. for example. Or another block down in Southeast London will say, nah, our rent will be reduced to £100 a month. And collectively what that will do, that will be a fund that we can um, uh, send the kids who live in this particular building to university for, for free. Or scholarship Study program. certain courses that could you know what I mean? But those are small examples. Mm -hmm. And like, there's so many talented people within our community who, if I told them, these are the freedoms and the powers you can inherit, they'll come up with their own thing. So, so it's more like... Allowing people to see the vision. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people need an incentive mm. to buy into something. I need to remember, I'm, I'm speaking about a long-term plan. I'm telling people, yo, like, buy here, get a mortgage here, invest here. That's a big move for people. It's going to take a very long time for them to be even comfortable with the idea. Because our, our indicators of, of success is like, yo, if I see money, I'm out the ends. I'm, I'm taking my mum out the ends. But my mum my mom sort of changed that for me, where my mum was like, Nabil, it doesn't matter how, how much money you make, I am comfortable here. Like... I love it here. And I'd realized that I'd internalize all of the stuff that them man was saying, and they're not even from where we're from. And yeah, like even, even with all the crime and all of the, the bad things that happen, my mom was like, the love that I experienced here outweighs all of that nonsense. Um, mothers have wisdom that 100%. I can't. That's why I love the African proverb, plant trees under which, see, under which shade you don't plan to sit. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do. But it's been a lovely conversation, my I guy. Appreciate you, you need man. to wrap it up. Yeah, thank me. you. Thank but, um, you. Any closing statements? Obviously, tell people where they can find your book, websites, yeah. social media. Yeah. So, um, uh, Instagram is privatizedamandam.com with an S, not a Z, because we're not American. Mm -hmm. um, uh, to get the book, the only place is www.privatizedamandam.com. Um, again with an S, and both on the website and on the Instagram, there's a telephone number, and it's me on the other side, no one else. So if anyone has any questions, I'm an open book. Give me some time, because I might not be able to respond immediately, um, but I'll answer any question for anyone. Um, but I appreciate you guys so much for having me on the, sh on the nah, show. I would love for coming on. Nah, thank you, it was a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, very man. good conversation. So for the people that have made it this far, Appreciate you. Got to give you a special thank you for sitting down with us for the full hour. But if you have made it this far, make sure to like, um, subscribe, and for any questions you have, just drop it in the comments or hit us up. But yeah, man, love for for coming with with us on this journey. Ski up. <laughs> <laughs>